Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of In the Huddle. We are here today on this Monday on episode 101 of In the Huddle. I am one of your co-hosts, Zach Kroll, along with my guy, The Real Will, and we are here today talking about the most interesting, most polarizing, most fascinating topics in sports. So before we start off today, I just wanted to, yeah, introduce my guy, Lil, and say, what's up? What's going on? How we doing? Everything is going good. Everything is going great, man. I'm on vacation still. I just came from the gym. I hopped in the pool, took a nice cold shower, and now I'm here on this mic with you, ready to talk about the latest topics that we have here on this show today. And, you know, we have some big news. Obviously, I briefly mentioned it towards the last um, episode that we did very quickly. But just for starters, we will be on Can You Dig It Sports Radio starting our next episode, a radio station that I launched over this weekend and um you know anybody that's interested in having shows because we really want to expand we want to have people from all around the world we want people not only broadcasting from the united states we want people broadcasting from china from africa from japan from england so if you're a sports fan and you feel that you're interested in having a sports show on a up-and-coming station that will be competing with espn i'm writing it in the book right now for y'all let me know, leave a comment, let me know that you're interested, and then, you know, I'll reach out to you, send you my email, and we get things up and running. But nevertheless, Zach, I am ready to get this show right now started. Yeah, well, absolutely. It's funny you bring that up because one thing that I've really realized about this show is you've been in Florida the last couple of weeks, and I totally have forgotten, but at the same time, I love the dedication that both you and I put in uh, during the NFL offseason, especially to hop on the show uh, on a Monday and talk about this trade. And uh, with that being said, let's get to it. So if you missed it, the biggest news in the NFL right now, we saw it coming. The timing took a little bit longer than expected. But Julio Jones, the lifelong Atlanta Falcon, he gets traded to the Tennessee Titans for a second and a fourth round pick. And Will, I'm going to let you start this one off. Who is your biggest winner of the trade? And when you saw that news, what came to mind? I appreciate the generosity, man. I definitely want to take this topic first because it's only right. I predicted this on the last show that we did when we had our debate on where Julio Jones was going to go. And the reason why I picked the Titans was because I thought it was obvious. You know, I know the Seattle Seahawks want to keep Russell Wilson happy. He got on his bad behavior type of timing a couple months ago, so they want to please him. I know the Packers is a bit of a limbo with Aaron Rodgers over there. He wants, you know, say, personal say and everything over there in Green Bay. They don't get free agents. We know Bill Belichick had a revenge tour offseason, and he wants to cap it off with the signing of Julio Jones. But the Titans made the most sense because they needed Julio Jones. When you think about their offseason losses in John U. Smith, in um, Corey Brown, Corey Davis, excuse me, they lost these guys that was second fiddle to A.J. Brown, mind you. What was their strongest suit last year? What was their bread and butter? Their offense. It sure wasn't their defense. So you minus those two guys, right, Where in which a team, their offense is carrying that whole entire team, minus two. You had to add one and add the one, which was Julio Jones, to be able to make sure that you put enough points to go along with Kansas City. You know, I feel like now the Titans is in a great situation because you still got Derrick Henry. You're going to have to crowd the box to, in order to stop Derrick Henry. And if you do, 
now you got two guys on the outside that can play intermediate or that can burn you down the football field. So now your short passing game becomes effective. And when you're going up against the likes of Kansas City, what you want to do on the offensive side of the ball is keep who on the bench? Patrick Mahomes by running the football, utilizing the short passing game, and being able to go over the top when need be. So the Titans, with this move right now, pushes themselves to the top five AFC teams along with your Patriots, along with your Kansas City Chiefs, along with the Cleveland Browns. It pushes them right there, and they should be the favorites to win the AFC South as well. So when I look at this trade, right, I think the Titans deserve credit for making it. Obviously, when you look at the price that the Falcons were willing to give up Julio Jones, once again, I hinted at it last week. I have no idea what the Atlanta Falcons are doing. But once again, discussion for another day. The Titans, once again, I like the point you brought up. Uh, They lost Smith, they lost Davis, and they brought in Julio Jones. So that obviously made their team better. You have Julio Jones, A.J. Brown, Derrick Henry, Ryan Tannehill on offense. That is a sick offense, no doubt about it. However, I just want to pump the brakes for one second here. You and a lot of other people are telling me that the Tennessee Titans deserve to be at the top of the AFC and – you know, some people are saying they're a, a possible Super Bowl contender to maybe uh, challenge Kansas City and come out of the AFC. And here's the problem with that, boys. Did we watch the Titans last year? Do we remember what happened to them when they went to Lambeau Field on Sunday Night Football in Week 16 and what happened to them at home in their playoff game? The problem was not that they couldn't score points. No, they, their offense was good. And I think with Julio Jones, I expect that offense to be even better. My problem is they can't stop a nosebleed. And Julio Jones doesn't help you with that. So why are we all of a sudden elevating the Titans to a possible Super Bowl contender when that problem isn't addressed when they lost one of their better corners in Adoree Jackson as well? I think they could win the AFC South. I think they can make the playoffs. I think Mike Rabel's a very good coach. I think Ryan Tannehill is a very good quarterback. But at the same time, I just think we have to pump the brakes a little bit because I still have no evidence this team could stop anybody. Well, I would say this. I'm not picking them to go to the Super Bowl. I'm not even picking them to go to the AFC Championship. But I am picking them to at least compete in the AFC, you know, get to the AFC Divisional Round. And you have, for starters, what is the first thing, Zach, that they tell you you have to do um, each year before training camp start? It's not win the Super Bowl. Obviously, that's the goal within the organization. But the goal is to do what? Win your division. Well, I'll and say I think this, well, with I'll this say move, this. They, win, they win the division easily. I am proposing our first in the huddle Friendly prop bet. I know the season doesn't start till another three to four months, but I'm going to take the team with the better defense. I'm going to take the team with the better coach. I'm taking the Colts to win the AFC South because even though there are some question marks at the quarterback position, I totally get it. I just think they're the more balanced team. And as good as Tennessee's offense is, I just have no evidence that they could stop anybody. Well, yeah, the defense is obviously a problem. But what is going to be a problem had they didn't sign Julio was that offense, and that would have been a problem because they lost two guys. So now the attention is focused on A.J. Brown. Well, offense was good, was a top 10, you can argue, offense, I would say, without Julio, that lost two guys, and they were dependent on that offense. That offense would have became, you know, top 15, top 16. So what what I'm thinking the the Titans are trying to do is saying, all right, we know we still have defensive holes, and that is going to be a problem, but – we're going, to make, we're going to outscore you, and we're going to see how that goes. We made the playoffs last year with a team 
that was, you know, that was a bad defense last year. They made the playoffs last year. They probably could have beat. They was up by 10 points against the Ravens. You cannot tell me that this move signing Julio Jones do not catapult this team over the Baltimore Ravens. So they right in that mix. Yeah, no, absolutely. At the same time, my only thing is, though, basically what I'm saying is I wasn't confident in Tennessee before the trade, mainly because of their defense. And, right, because, a little bit because of their offense because of the guys they lost. And I agree when you say uh, bringing in Julio Jones, obviously that um, you know should improve the offense. But at the same time, like, when it comes to them even, you know, maybe they win the division and maybe I'm wrong and this will be a great clip we go back to. But I've just seen this recipe like too many times. I've just seen a team just focus too much on one side of the ball and not really. I know they signed Bud Dupree and everyone's saying that, but he's coming off a torn ACL. Like, like that's not really a guy I could rely on. Tennessee also lost at the corner that I mentioned. Their defense is, it was below average last year. They, They couldn't get to the quarterback at all. And once again, even though this offense might as well be very good, it's going to be hard to be as good as it was last year. I'm not saying they can't do it, but it's just asking for a lot of things to go right. And I don't have that much confidence in that to happen. I just think that with the Titans, the Titans, you know, you have Julio Jones on the market. You make that move. No, no of course. About once it, again, and you figure everything else on the fly. You know, that was the first thing I said. I said, I'm not criticizing them for making the move. I, I, I would have made the move myself. All I'm saying is, at the same time, I don't think this move should differ anyone's expectations. If you had the Titans missing the playoffs before this trade, I don't think this trade is all of a sudden going to put them in the playoffs because still they can't stop assault. That's all I'm saying. I, I, I 100% disagree. You know, before this move, I had the Colts winning the division, and I wasn't even happy about it. Like, it wasn't like, oh, the Colts is going to take over this division. No doubt about it because I don't believe in Carson Wentz. And I know we have our fair shares of debates when it comes to Carson Wentz. But now you get a guy like Julio Jones who – you know, it's just nothing more than an asset, a luxury to have alongside A.J. Brown. Who are you double-teaming? You can't double-team nobody. Well, once again, worry about the Henry. Titans were able to score last year. Offense they made the playoffs not- last year. And exactly. they made the wild card and should have right. won. They should have right. went okay. exactly. to the AFC Divisional right. round exactly. last year. But, so, but exactly. But the way – I'm not saying you, but the way a lot of other people are talking about it, and if you're a Titan fan and if you're getting Julio Jones, aren't your expectations to – Make a deep run in the playoffs this year. All I'm saying is I don't see that happening. I'm not. Like, I don't see that happening. Isn't that your expectation? And that's and that's the thing about football, Zach. And that's why I said we all know my favorite. What's my favorite line? It's hard to win in the NFL. And every team, majority of all these teams, Kansas City, the Browns, the Ravens, all these teams have expectations to make a deep playoff one, but only a few can do so. Exactly. So that doesn't mean the Titans is going to sit here and say, "Oh, we're going to hide under the covers. We're not ready for the moment." Right, they get in Julio. All I'm saying they is, have I don't expectations. They, they can say that, but I don't think they are. And we have yet to see. We'll have yet to see. But before we jump off this topic, I want to know who is the biggest winner in this trade. I would have to say Ryan Tannehill or AJ Brown. Right, those are the two guys that come to mind. Look, I mean, I, well, I don't know if you could tell, bro, but like, I don't like. I'm not saying this is a bad trade. All I'm saying is, I don't. It doesn't really change anything for me. Like, I, it doesn't really make like that dramatic of a difference. That's why I don't really have a real. I picked the Colts to win this division before the trade, and I'm going to pick them to win this division after the trade. You know, there's no real winner for me. The winner for me, and like I said, even though I think the Titans got a good deal, I'm gonna think a little bit outside the box. I think the winner for me is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 
because you just you, you excluded, you subtracted a weapon in that division by eliminating Julio Jones from that division. So now the Falcons are guaranteed to take a minor step back. I think, they, you know, it's not like they took a step up last year. You know, there was a, a team that didn't make the playoffs. I think it's going to be that same team, you know, but minus Julio. You think about the Saints, Michael Thomas, where have you been, brother? Injuries have affected that brother. He's not the same guy. He's not can't guard Mike anymore. But the Saints is not going to be that same team last year. I don't think they're going to take, you know, a big step back, but minor step back. So I think the biggest winner here is Tampa Bay because now it's almost penciled in that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will win that division, will win the NFC South. And uh, watch out because another year in that offense, I think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers definitely is the big winner in this Julio Jones trade. I'll kind of respond to that the same way. Like I, I, I picked Tampa Bay to win the division before the trade. I'm going to pick them to win the division after the trade. If anyone was out here taking the Atlanta Falcons seriously with Julio Jones, even I don't really know what to tell you. So, In the words of Charles Barkley, I guess that trade just made it guaranteed for the Buccaneers to win that division. I will say this, though. I'm going to pick them to win the division, and we don't have to go uh, full into detail on this, but I think the Saints and the Panthers aren't going to be too bad. I think those two teams are going to be tough outs. I think they're going to be better than people expect. I think the Falcons are going to be a a disaster. I think they're going to come in last. But I think Sam Darnold could work in Carolina. Let's just leave it at that. Pay it back! Topic number two, let's stay in the NFL and let's talk about another guy who we've been discussing a lot on the show over the last couple of weeks, Lou, and I got to say, I feel like every time this guy's name comes up in the news, I just have so much to say, and it's great content for us. It's great stuff for us to talk about, and in case you missed it, the uh, vice president of the Packers, Mark Murphy, apparently he actually has a little newsletter that comes out to uh, the Packers co-owners, their fans, uh, the only franchise in the NFL without an owner. And in that newsletter, he said that he feels right now Packer Nation is divided. There are some Packer fans that are saying, this is Aaron Rodgers. This is the guy that won us a Super Bowl. This is the MVP last year. We got to do whatever it takes to get this guy happy. And there's some other fans that say, this guy is a diva. This guy doesn't deserve anything. Let's not fall in his uh, demands. So that makes me think, Will, that I don't think this situation is changing anytime soon. I would be pretty surprised if Aaron Rodgers is under center for the Green Bay Packers week one at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome against the Saints. But at the same time, I would be surprised if Aaron Rodgers gets traded, I would say, before the month of October. So here's the question. If the Packers are out here, right? And Aaron Rodgers is not reporting to camp, but they're not trading him. Then what happens? Where do we go from here? Do they play Jordan Love? And if they do, who benefits from it? What does that mean for the NFC? Because I'll say this about Aaron Rodgers. As annoying as he is, I think that when he is on the field, he obviously makes a major impact in that possible shift of power in the NFC. Absolutely. So I want out you, what comes to mind? Well, two things that I that you highlighted that I want to highlight, or two things that you said that I want to highlight. The first thing you said about this being a media 
<laughs> Keep it coming. Keep this coming, y'all. You know, we need stuff to talk about here, especially next week when we start the radio show. So keep it coming. I love it. Number two, who does this benefit? The balance of power if Aaron Rodgers is not under center come September, come week one or week two or even going further. I think the balance of power goes to the Chicago Bears if they get the right quarterback. You know, if they get the right quarterback over there, I think that team is good enough. You know, the offensive side of the ball, obviously what they do with the defensive side of the ball, I think that team is good enough to come out that division, let's say hypothetically, um, that Aaron Rodgers is not under center week one or beyond, and you're rolling with Jordan Love. But in regards to this current situation with Aaron Rodgers, I, I reflect on the interview that he did on SportsCenter that night. You know, I honestly think I, I learned more about the pandemic more than I learned about what Aaron Rodgers said. You know, at first I was like, okay, I understand. You know, he felt that, you know, he wants more say. And I kind of got that vibe and I was understanding. But when he went back to, oh, it's about the fans. And listen, that's why you're not there if it's about the fans. So I agree with Mark Murphy here when he says Aaron Rodgers has divided our fans because you go up there on SportsCenter and you say, oh, it's about the fans. It's about the fans. But is it or is it about you and your power and what you want? So I, I 100% agree with Mark Murphy, man. Like, you know, all you want to play, it was about the fans. Like you said it was. Why are you not out there? You know, you went to the NFC Championship game. Is, is it about the fans really? Or is it about what you feel like should be done for you? And – that sort. Yeah, that's a really good point that you've thrown out there. Uh, I think that Aaron Rodgers has absolutely divided the Green Bay Packers fan base. And going back to that Kenny Main interview, I remember he said, you know, it's not about Jordan Love. He's a great young kid. And it kind of dates back to what you said a couple weeks ago when we were uh, discussing this about Jordan Love. He didn't ask to be in this situation. And that's why I feel like Aaron Rodgers didn't throw him under the bus because he was just being respectful. At the same time, that doesn't mean that there is just some clear, clear beef going on with him and the Green Bay Packers front office. And to be honest, that's why I don't think anything is changing here. Now, in regards to your Bears point, I really want to agree with you, bro, but I just don't know who their quarterback is. And my two okay, options. That's why I started yeah. on, like, depending if they get the quarterback yeah. right. And my two, like, one's a rookie and one's Andy Dalton. Like, that's just the facts. So with that being said, I'm actually going to look at the Minnesota Vikings. And – I know that Kirk Cousins is a very hard quarterback to trust, but I feel like at this point in his career, don't we kind of know what Kirk Cousins is? Don't we kind of know? Not good. Well, okay, not right. Good. You say not good, but I not feel like good. when he gets his help, when he gets some help and when he has a good defense, when Dalvin Cook is healthy, maybe they could be good. And I'm going to throw this out there. I, I think if Aaron Rodgers doesn't uh, play under center, I'm looking at the Vikings as a team that could possibly win the NFC North. But let me throw this one out, you will. I'm not done with these – fire takes and this is going to sound like a hot take but like i'm not just throwing out for bs reasons like i really believe this right now there is only one team realistically that's being linked to aaron Rodgers if he's getting traded that's denver right and i feel like if green bay starts off oh and four oh and five and aaron Rodgers is just throwing them under the bus to the media week in and week out when he's not even playing the packers may be forced to trade this guy by, like I said, early October. And I think the team that could benefit the most from Aaron Rodgers possibly not getting traded is the Kansas City Chiefs. Because I think if Aaron Rodgers gets traded to the Broncos, there's a chance Kansas City misses the playoffs. I think that if you put Aaron Rodgers on the Broncos, they could win the AFC West. You know how I feel about the Chargers. 
I think they right, should win right. the AFC West. I think, I think that could be a possibility yeah. that not a lot of people are looking at right now. And uh, once again, that balance of power really does depend on where Aaron Rodgers goes. It does. I agree with mostly everything that you said. And I'm going to get to the point where I didn't agree. But first, with what you just said, I agree. Aaron Rodgers is the balance of power, you know, in the NFL. So if Aaron Rodgers do goes to the Denver Broncos who need a quarterback, you know, y'all know how I feel about Terry, Teddy Bridgewater, but he's not an answer for a Super Bowl run. I would just put it like that. He could get you to the playoffs, not a Super Bowl. If Aaron Rodgers go to the Denver Broncos, a team that I already love, a team that I was a, a little bit too high on last year when I said that they could possibly win that division, that's because I didn't have that much, you know, film on Drew Locke. He won a couple games the year before, and I was like, maybe, depends on him. Well, we all know what he is. If you get Aaron Rodgers on that team, a team that uh, just literally upgraded that secondary, along with the talent that they have offensively with the wide receivers, Cortland Sutton, you know, Jerry Judy reporting for duty, and now you put Aaron Rodgers. Of course, that, that, to me, that's a clear favorite in that division over the Kansas City Chiefs. It's not even close, to be honest with you. But if we go back to the point that you made about which team in his division right now, in the Packers division right now, the NFC North, who could benefit from Aaron Rodgers' departure, I do think that it's the Chicago Bears because, yeah, you mentioned you don't know who their quarterback is and you know who Kirk Cousins is, right? We already know who Kirk Cousins is. But they still didn't win that division last year. The, 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 um, the Bears got to the playoffs with Mitch Trubisky at the helm. So I think Justin Fields could be a little better than a Mitch Trubisky. I think Andy Dalton could be a little better than Mitch Trubisky. And mind you, they got to the division around a couple years ago with Mitch Trubisky. So they have a good enough team on paper that all you need is Justin Fields to make good throws, make a decent amount of throws, and don't turn the ball over. Or Andy Dalton as well, who has game experience. I think that the Bears should be the favorite. And I already know what I'm getting out of Kirk Cousins. I learned over the years to not put my trust and expectations with that guy. And it's a saying, you fool me once, the, the shame is on you. You know, fool me twice and the third time, it's on me. So I'm never going to put my faith and trust in Kirk Cousins. So that's what I would say about that. Here's the thing, though. You say, uh, you know, we both say we know what we're getting with Kirk Cousins, and I agree. But at the same time, I don't – like, look, if you want Kirk Cousins to win a Super Bowl for you, I agree. He's not the right quarterback to do that, no matter how much help you get him. But at the same time, dude, I think Kirk Cousins is better than Andy Dalton. Like, I don't, I, like, I don't really think that's really debatable. Like, uh, I think it is debatable. Pieces I, I, I actually – I think Kirk Cousins had the better – Gifted talent than like, Andy Dalton, but as far as command, I, I just don't see a big difference. You know, I don't see. Okay, that's really, fine. I don't. All right. I mean, I, I like the Vikings coach better than Matt Nagy. Because, because I one, Matt Nagy. One quickly here, Zach. I don't even want to cut you off. Andy Dalton got the Bengals to the playoffs with less than what Kirk Cousins had. Seven years ago now? Like, yeah, I don't but it's, it's still a better resume than Kirk Cousins. Andy Dalton's resume is better than Kirk Wait, Cousins. Wait, what are you talking Like, Kirk Cousins has led teams to the playoffs. Kirk Cousins won a division in Washington. Yeah, he, he won a division in Washington, yes. But when he got to the Vikings, a, a far superior team, he should have got that, that team outside of the year that they went. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers in the division, bro. It was tough. It, look, I'm not saying he's a great quarterback. All I'm saying is if nah. you take Aaron Rodgers out of the NFC North, I think Minnesota should win the division. I think Dalvin Cook is one of the best running backs in football. I think Justin Jefferson 
is ready for a breakout season. I think that defense is hopefully going to be better than last year. I trust their coach more. It's going to be an interesting uh, race to see, especially if Aaron Rodgers does get traded. But uh, I'm interested that you said the Bears. That's, that's interesting. Yeah, I, I do. And we can have our differences with that. But I, I do believe because I like the defense. I, like, I think the Bears defense can keep them in any game that they play. And all they need is their quarterback that, you know, to make a couple plays here and there to get that team rolling. They have offensive talent as well. They have the two running backs, Kareem Cohen. You also got Montgomery. You have um, Mooney. You also have Robinson as well over there. So they have the talent. If Justin Fields is this guy that, you know, some of us thought that he was going to be, obviously the media had their own takes on him. It was up and down. But if he is a Lamar Jackson type of quarterback, if he's that guy, he can get that team to the playoffs. And Andy Dalton, we know, is serviceable. He's not going to wow you. He's not going to win you a lot of games, but he is serviceable. And they got Mr. Shabisky there for the last couple of years, and they made playoff runs. So I think that uh, they should be the favorites, me personally. But we can have our differences when it comes to that. Absolutely, man. You know, it's only June, early June, and we're already debating about who's winning the NFC North, who's winning the AFC South. You got to love it. Nothing better. Pay it back. What a lot of people thought was going to be the best second-round series, and for all we know, it's only been one game. It might just be the best second-round series, but it's the Nets and the Bucks. And there were a lot of people, Will, that were out here saying that, oh, the addition of Drew Holiday, the addition of P.J. Tucker, and the way uh, the Milwaukee Bucks looked against the Miami Heat, sweeping them in the first four games of the first round in the Eastern Conference playoffs, there were a lot of people saying, okay, is this the Bucks team that can make a run, and can they beat Brooklyn? But at the same time, I watched that game the other night, man. And when James Harden gets hurt within the first 40 seconds of the game, I said, this is a real opportunity for the Bucs. If the Bucs want to win this series, let's go take this game. And not only did they lose, they didn't even come close to winning. It wasn't close. And it's really like the same old Bucks, bro. This is a team that got swept by the – or lost in five games to the Miami Heat last year. I understand it was the bubble and – the bubble's not an excuse, but at the same time, like, they were the best team in the Eastern Conference last year. Why are they out here losing in the second round in five games? This is a team that I understand Dante DiVincenzo got hurt, but at the same time, I just would have wanted to see them be a little bit more competitive. And I'm curious to see what they do tonight because I've had my questions about as good as Giannis is, is it possible to win a championship with him as your best player? Because – in crunch time, we know how small the court gets and how tight and how aggressive defenders get. And it's not as easy to get to the rim, which is his, which is his specialty. And I'm not saying he can't shoot a jump shot. It's, you know, here and there, it's inconsistent. But I've had my questions about the Bucks. But there were a lot of people in the media trying to tell me that because of Drew Holiday and because of Brooke Lopez and all these, Chris Middleton is playing the best basketball of his career. There were a lot of people telling me that the Milwaukee Bucks were going to beat Brooklyn I had my doubts about it going into week, into game one, and now I'm confident I do not see Milwaukee win this series. I like Brooklyn. I would say this. I think that everybody needs to pump the brakes a little bit. It's game one. I understand that James Harden was out, and, you know, he didn't play in that game, and, you know, everybody expect the Bucks to have that momentum, knowing that James Harden is out, to win that game and snag one on the road. I understand that. Me, personally, I picked the Nets to go to the championship and win it. I'm still going to abide by that with or without James Harden. 
Um, but um, as far as getting out the series, without James Harden, I still think the Nets will be able to do so. But I also will say to the flip side, to give the Bucks some respect here, pump the brakes a little bit, I will say, because Giannis still had a good game. He still scored 35 points. Drew Holiday, you know, should have could have showed up a little bit more, and I do believe that he will show up. The Bucks still have two games, two games at home that they beat the Nets in their own building. Um, two games prior to coming into the playoffs. Could they win a game at the no. Barclays Center? That's what I'm wondering. I don't know if they can. Yeah. That's the question, but I believe that they can, and I do believe that they're going to extend this series. The series is going to go seven, with or without James Harden. We have to really realize that the Nets probably are a little bit better right now without James Harden. I know it sounds crazy. I know that you want a all-star, a two-time all-star on your team. So I'm not going to be Looney Tunes here and say that, you know, they better without James Harden. But at the same time, remember the chemistry. That's not even developed yet. So who's to say that, oh, James Harden is there, that makes a big of a difference, a, a magnitude difference, because they're still learning how to play together. Jay, um, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant been playing together before James Harden got over there. So there is chemistry over there. And now what it does it do? It allows the, the group behind Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant to get into a more bit of a flow. Now um, Joe Harris is going to be involved in the offense more. Same thing with Bruce Brown. When Jeff Green comes back, he's going to be involved more. So, yeah, you may, you know, lose a, a superstar on the floor, but it definitely gets those other guys going. And if you have Blake Griffin out there diving for loose balls and playing the way how he did, then I still will take the Nets to win with or without James Harden. I will say that. But also, the Bucks have to play better, and I do believe that they're going to get some at home, and I do believe with or without James Harden, this series is going to go seven games. I had that much respect for the Bucs with the addition of Drew Holiday, with Chris Middleton as well, with Giannis still playing good. You know, he, he played good last game, but I still have the Nets winning. Yeah, so everything you said about the Nets, I totally agree with. I think that as time goes on, uh, we're going to see guys outside of their big three become better. I love Joe Harris's game. I think he's one of the five best shooters in the league. I think Blake Griffin was really one of the main reasons why they won by so much in game one. He really impressed me. I don't know if he's going to be able to continue that. But let's look at this from the Bucks' perspective, my guy. This is a Bucks team that has dominated the regular season each of the last three years now. And I understand, like, it's very hard to win a championship, especially when you're the Milwaukee Bucks. This is a small market team that really did everything they could, to their credit, to get Giannis to stay. They definitely deserve a lot of credit for that. And I'm not saying they built their team the wrong way. But at the same time, I think there could be this narrative out there, dude, that not a lot of people like the Brooklyn Nets. Like, I don't think that's a secret. And I think there are a lot of people telling me that this Milwaukee Buck team could be the squad that takes them down. But at the same time, I have no evidence. Dante DiVincenzo, a starter, the Bucks have gotten worse since the playoffs have started. Like, I don't think anyone could deny that. And I agree with you when you say it's different when, uh, from when James Harden goes down because, okay, James Harden goes down. I'm not saying, as you said, it's not a huge deal because you have Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. They've played together before, and other guys could get better. But at the same time, I have no evidence to tell me that the Milwaukee Bucks could play well in a big playoff series. In game one, if you're the Bucks, you should be looking at as a huge opportunity. James Harden gets hurt 40 seconds into the game, going into the series, everyone was picking you to win anyway, and you get blown out? Why should I have any confidence in you winning this series? I, I, to, to go back to that point, DiVincenzo is a loss. That, that is an underrated loss right there for the Bucks. 
But I think that we have more faith in the Bucks this year, and I'm talking for myself and a couple other people that I know that are very high on the Bucks or even picking them to win the series. They're comfortable saying that the Bucks are different this year because of what they did in the first round with Miami. You know, the fact that they took care of Miami like that and swept them this year gave everybody hope, and that's why they figure that they're going to be able to somehow win this series. I'm not going to go that far, but I, like I said before, I do believe that the Bucks will extend this series. I'm not going to put too much stock into game one. What game one showed me is more the Nets than it is the Bucks. It showed me that, yeah, you have Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving still. Those are two superstars. And if they can't win a game one against the Bucks, then they're not as great as we put them out to be. If you're but, Kyrie Irving and you're Kevin well, Durant saying, and you can't win a game one, then you're not that great then. But, but shouldn't you be saying the same thing about the Bucks? Which team is the one that lost one of their best players, bro? Like, like if you're walking, you can't beat them with that. If you lose by 25 when James Harden goes down in game one, why should I have any confidence in you that you would should beat them at, like with or without him, bro? Like I just have I mean, they, no, I have no evidence. Like they lose. Um, I didn't believe they lose. What was the score? It was 115 to 107. They lost by eight. So okay, they, but if you watch the game, bro, the Nets were up by 16 plus for the whole third quarter. It wasn't close. It wasn't. It was. But at the same time, I'm not going to overreact. My thing is, I'm not going to overreact to game one. The Nets had home court. Blake Griffin played out of his mind. Is Blake Griffin going to continue to do that? We'll have to see. But Blake Griffin played out of his mind. He was the best player on the floor that game. Not Kyrie, not Kevin Durant. They did their thing. But it was Blake Griffin. So is Blake Griffin going to continue to do that on a consistent basis? If he is, then we have a big problem on our hands, you know. But I don't believe Blake Griffin is going to be able to do that consistently in this series. And that's my point. So I'm not going to overreact to game one. I still have the Nets winning this series, y'all. Let me get that clear. The Nets will win this series with or without Harden. But I do expect the Bucks to fight back and win some games in this series. And that's my point. What do we like tonight? Who wins tonight? If the Bucks lose tonight, do we or do we have any confidence that they could be able to come back? I'm and going win? to take the Bucks tonight. I'm going to take the Bucks tonight, and I'm going to take the Nets to split on the road. So it's going to be two-two. Is what I'm saying, and the Nets is going to take it from there. All right, you know what, Lil? I'll, I'll ride with you. I'll take the Bucks as well, but I'm not confident, man. I'm really not. I I'm kind of doing this pick in spite for the Nets. I'll join the bandwagon just because I want to believe it. I want to be wrong. But at the same time, I have no evidence that Mr. Antetokounmpo could show up in a big game. I, I can't believe it. And we'll have to see if he does. He better show up. And Drew Holiday as well. All right, so let's stay in the NBA, my guy, for the last segment of today's show. And one thing that, even within this last debate, that I realize is that, wow, well, a lot of times, especially since we started recording when the Warriors were doing their thing and the Lakers did their thing last year, you and I have both had our problems with the NBA and uh, the competitiveness of the league. And we always say, we don't, you know, we watch the NBA to get entertainment and we love the cool dunks. We love the deep threes, but we know who's winning. You know, it's kind of a turnoff. I think that it is officially, at least this year, time to put those talks to bed because there are eight teams left in these NBA finals. And to be honest, I don't really think there is one clear concrete favorite in terms of in terms of a, who is taking home this title. So I thought we should talk this one out. There are eight teams left. The second round, uh, some series have tipped off. The uh, last game of the first round was yesterday as the Clippers defeated the Mavs. So I'm curious for your thoughts, bro. Who is winning the NBA finals? Gun to your head right now, who would your pick be? 
I'm going to stay with the pick that I made before the season, midway season. And now that we're doing this a third time, again, I'm going to go with the Brooklyn Nets. I think they're going to win this series, you know. And I know – I don't know Harden's status or if he's going to be out for the rest of the year. I doubt that. I do believe he will be back at some point. Like I said before, I do think they will take care of this series without him. So, eventually, I believe they will have him back and they will win. Um, as far as the West goes, yeah, things change a little bit as far as – well, I won't say that. I still like the Clip. I still like the Clippers. I still like the Clippers to come out. In my me my midseason prediction, I had the Nets versus the Clippers. I'm gonna abide by that. I do believe that the Jazz are a great team. They're better than what I thought. I will give you that. The Jazz are much better than I was giving them credit for. And that's because they they know how to shoot the three ball. They have guys like at least three or four dudes that can get their own bucket on that team. They're gonna be a very tough team. They showed me a lot with Memphis. Memphis had a lot of fight and they just literally put them to bed. They literally was like, all right. You're fighting John Morant. Y'all, y'all playing good in these games, but we're going to put you to bed and no show, show them no mercy at all. You know, and Mike Conley was playing good as well. I don't know. I believe he had got hurt, but he should be fine. Look, I, the Jazz is a good team, and they're making me scared, but I still, I'm still going to go with the Clippers. I still believe Kawhi will terminate the Clippers at some point. And I would say this, Zach. Both of those games in the Western Conference, both of those series, the Nuggets and the Suns, the Clippers and the Jazz, I can see easily see both of those series going seven games. That's how confident I believe, or that's how much respect that I'm giving all four of those teams right there. The Nuggets, even without Jamal Murray, I think they better report him. The Suns, I saw what they did against the Lakers. The champions, the defending champions, that's confidence right there. The Clippers, we saw them finally get over that hump against the Mavericks, even though they beat them last year without K- KP. That's, that has to be confidence. Going into game seven, seeing Kawhi play like that, that's confidence. Game six, too, bro. You know, the, you know, the Mavs are up 3-2. Absolutely. So when you started off your statement saying that the NBA as a product this year, as a consumer of the sport, I have been very pleased. I have been watching each game through and through, and I have been very pleased. So I think we are going to be in for a ride, but I'm still going to go with my two teams that I had midway, um, which is the Clippers and the Nets, and I'm going to take the Nets to win it all. Yeah, so all uh, great points once again. But here's my thing, bro. Like, I watch these Brooklyn Nets play, right? And there's no denying how great they are. And I am in total agreement with you that I think they're beating Milwaukee. And I think that they're going to come out of the East. You know, I think the East is really theirs to lose. But I didn't even same- talk about the East. I'm sorry. I don't <laughs> want to disrespect the East. But Atlanta, y'all. Atlanta, and you still got the 76ers. They're not going to lay down. The entire league right now is on fire, and I'm loving it. Absolutely, man. Trey Young is becoming a star before our eyes. He's a yes. pleasure to watch. Um, but anyways, dude, so Brooklyn, right? They're very fun to watch. And I get it. Kevin Durant is one of the best players I've ever seen. Kyrie Irving, even if they have James Harden and all that. But, well, everything I know about the sport of basketball tells me that it just can't be this easy, bro. It, it can't. You can't play together. You can't have your three stars playing together uh, eight games the whole regular season. You can't have a team that literally – doesn't play defense. You can't have a team that literally doesn't have a big man that you could rely on night in and night out on. They still have a rookie head coach. So I am going to trigger on one of the teams that you said and one of the teams that I've been keeping my eye on this whole season. I wasn't uh, really high on them before the regular season, but watching them throughout the season, my eyes don't lie to me. And my eyes tell me the Utah Jazz are not only the best team in the NBA, but I think they're winning the title I think they are the most balanced team in 
basketball. They have the defensive player of the year. They have the sixth man of the year. And I haven't even mentioned their top superstar yet. They're well coached. They could shoot the three. They play defense. And I think with their home court advantage, they're the more balanced team than Brooklyn. And I think they're the best team in basketball. With that being said, I absolutely think the Clippers could give them a run. I agree with you. I was so impressed with what Kawhi Leonard did in game six and seven. Those were the best games he's played since he put on the Raptor jersey and brought uh, a title back to Toronto. That, he obviously played great. However, I don't believe the Clippers role players are going to be able to step up against a team like Utah, a unit and a team as united like the Jazz. I am not picking Paul George to win another playoff series. I, I, you know, we can't trust that guy to save our lives. And Reggie Jackson and Terrence Mann, as, as great as they played in this series, I think Utah is the better unit. I think they're the better team, even though Kawhi does provide some possible matchup problems for their wings. But I think Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert will be the difference. And I think we are going to get our two teams, Utah and Brooklyn, the two teams that we uh, each predicted in the finals. But I think Utah takes it home i would say this to go back at your point and i'm not gonna discredit the utah pick like i said utah i underestimated them you know i always knew they was a good team i didn't think they were best in the west type of good team and i had to give them the credit but when i look at the sport of basketball you know compared to a sport like football you know i hate to play this type of game zach i hate to play the obvious game you know sometimes being obvious is like really little we know that already but I'm going to have to pull that out here out of my back pocket. Football is more of a team sport in which a team as United is going to win most of the time. You know, you can have a, a individual player like a Randy Moss on your team, right? In his prime. But if he doesn't have that team around him, the good team, what we talked about with Julio, that balance, the defense has to be good as well. Then that team is not going to win in the NBA where uh, talent individually can affect on the court, especially in playoffs, where things get a little bit more tighter and the star power starts to come out in a sixth game or a seventh game, the stars normally come to the forefront and win those type of games, you know? And that's why I like the Clippers because I do believe they have the most talented roster on paper, even though I do believe that the Jazz play together as a cohesive unit better than the Clippers do. And I, what I'm trying to tell you is I believe the talent will override the team play of the Jazz, and when it gets to a, a close series, I don't think that the Jazz are going to walk all over the Clippers at all. And I do believe when it goes to a Game Six or a Game Seven, I'm going to predict a Game Seven here. I think those, I think this is going to go seven games for sure. I think Kawhi, who outside of that year, that travesty in the bubble, has <laughs> always proved that he will take over a game in a Game Seven if need be. He had that one mesh up. We don't know what happened. I still don't know what happened that year, but I don't believe that's going to happen again. It didn't happen against Luca this year. And I don't believe it's going to happen again. And I believe that the stars will show up. Kawhi. All you need is a Reggie Jackson along with a Kawhi who heat up. You know, he played a – he had a hell of a good series, this past series, along with a Marquis Morris. If he gets fire like that, now it's not guaranteed. Those, are, those brothers, they hit and miss here. They like Danny Green. Once they get going, they get going. Once they cold, they cold. But if you can get another star and PG to at least give you something, Along with Kawhi and Reggie Jackson, I do believe the talent will override the Jazz. And I'm going to take the Clippers to win that series in Game 7. Yeah, so here's the thing. I have two responses to that. Obviously, very possible. Number one, dude, like, I love Kawhi. Like, he's great. 
it's just like I don't believe in those Clippers role players at all. And at the same time, like, when did the expectations for the Clippers get this low? This was a team that two off-seasons ago brought in Kawhi Leonard, brought in Paul George, and the whole NBA was saying that, you know, they they could easily win the championship. The Clippers are about to take over L.A., that this is going to be the place to be. And I understand they deserve credit yesterday for getting over the hump. They played a great game. But at the same time, are we really, like, all of a sudden going to forget about everything that went on in the first six games of this series? This is a team that couldn't win on their home floor for the first three games of this series. And there were many times during those first three games that I was telling myself, like, is this thing just going to fall apart, like, right now at the scene? Like, I'm, I can't see Paul George winning a championship with this Clipper team. I think he's gone next year. And I just believe in Utah as the better unit. My other point is in regard to the stars and the individual talent, usually you're right with that. Absolutely. The NBA is usually like that. But if you look at this year, my guy, the bubble maybe has had a big effect on maybe shaking that up because look at some of the individual stars that have already gone out in these playoffs. LeBron, Damian Lillard, Doncic, Morant. So no matter how good you are, I think the league right now is in such a good spot in terms of how good some of the top teams are that no matter how good one player like Kawhi Leonard is, you are going to need more than that. And I believe Utah is the better. Well, the Clippers, I believe the Clippers have a good team. I just don't believe they have the chemistry yet. It's much better than it was last year. We have to admit that. It's much better than what it was in the bubble. I mean, you know, as far as the chemistry, much better. It's not 100% yet. But it's much better. You're talking about guys running their own plays. At least they move the ball a little bit. Let's face the facts, bro. They didn't take the regular season seriously for the second year in a row. And I have a hard time believing that it's just going to not cost them again. Like, that, I, like I, I just have a tough time buying into this team. Like, I don't know what it is. They just have never been good. They've never delivered. And as good as Kawhi was yesterday, he was playing against a one-man team. Like, like I just have I will say this I too. trouble co- believing that they could do it again. You talked about how disappointing it was them losing at home. I think it was equally impressive them winning on the road. Of course, than anything. Consistency, bro. The Jazz have been the most consistent team in the league all year. Like, could they they go into Utah and win two games? Like, like if they, I think they can. I, I think that the the Clippers can go on the road. They did it in the regular season. They went on the road and beat the Jazz. People forget about that. They beat the Jazz at the Utah Jazz. You know, so. They're more than capable. This is going to be a long series here. I do believe that the Jazz can win at the Clippers. I do believe that the Clippers can win at the Jazz. And that's what makes this intriguing. And that's why I'm going to predict them to go seven games. This will go seven games. And not every team is going to win at home. The Clippers will win at Utah one game. They will split there. Utah will split at the Clippers. But I do believe when it's all said and done, game seven, everything is on the line. The Utah Jazz haven't gotten that far before. They've been to the playoffs before, but they haven't gotten that far before. Same with the Clippers, but you have individual players that have been in those moments before. You know, like Kawhi. Paul George had his experience experiences in the playoffs, losing to LeBron. I do believe that Kawhi will take over a game seven, and that's why I'm going to go with the Clippers. But I won't be shocked at all if the Jazz win. I'm giving them their props. I do believe they're going to do they're going to be a great team that's going to go seven games. I like the way they move the ball. I like the way they space the floor. I like the way that they have individuals that can get their own bucket. Jordan Clarkson, what he's done this year, being the sixth man. But I just believe in Kawhi. I'm putting my faith in Kawhi. Remember, Kawhi, I believe, single-handedly took over that East when they won that championship on Toronto. 
That was the Kawhi show, literally, single-handedly. Not saying that the team around him was bad. They played, they did their parts, they did their roles. But the star stood out when they needed him the most, when they needed him the most. It wasn't going to be nobody else on that team. I believe we're going to see that again in the West. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, going back to the East, though, like, if you're, a, like, Brooklyn, what is your mood heading into these playoffs right now? Like, do you think that it should just be – like championship or this whole season is just going to be like a total failure because I, I think because let me let me say this bro if let's just say my scenario comes true right and and the Jazz beat the Nets like obviously Brooklyn's going to be disappointed and it's going to be a failure but at the same time like I wouldn't overreact like the Jazz have been the better team all season like you know what I mean like I, like I just don't when I look at this Nets team they're very good and if you want to say they're that they should be the favorite like I guess I, I can accept that just based on pure talent alone but at the same time i if you're remember during football season lil when we were talking about the chiefs or the field who are we picking to win the super bowl who are you picking right now the nets or the field because i am strongly on the field strongly i'm not strongly on the field i i i'll take the nets but i do believe we have a good field i will tell you that it is a good field and i won't be surprised you know if we taking the nets on the field that, that's that's tough but i do we talked about how they, you know, Milwaukee, and I know you're probably not as high as Milwaukee as the rest of the media is, but the media and a lot of people, including myself, I think Milwaukee is a great team that this series, I still predict is going to go seven. If they're able to beat Milwaukee without James Harden, the sky is the limit. I predicted that if it's the Bucks that get past this series and beat the Nets, right, even though they're down one, one and zero, if they win the Bucks, they taking it. And the same thing, thing. I believe, I believe whoever wins this series will take the whole thing because these are two great teams that can only boost that confidence, you know, Mm -hmm. and the Nets is a type of team that I believe they play to the level of their opponent. You know, you have some teams where, you know, you know, you're going to win. So certain teams you don't wake up for. I believe the Nets was in that situation, even though the chemistry was not there and it's still not there as far as when James Harden is on the floor. I looked at the ball movement yesterday um, in the first game. I thought it was fine because they had that little experience together. Remember, they played together, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant to start off the year. So the role plays, they fit better. So there's going to be chemistry that's going to have to be developed. But I, I believe, man, they put up 140 points easily. Can't, and I do believe defensively, we, we talk about the defensive side of the ball when it comes to the Nets and how it's not up to par. But defense, defense is all about effort, mainly. It's about the effort. And I do believe if they can commit to the effort of playing defense and guarding these guys and not just worried about getting their own shots, they're going to be just fine. And I do believe the Nets is the favorite, and they should be the favorite, and I do believe they will win the championship when it's all said and done. Even though we have a little suspense this year, because, Zach, we all know it. We said it a thousand times before. We knew the Lakers was going to win last year. We knew the Warriors was going to win when the Warriors won. We knew it. We knew the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Warriors was going to be in the finals. And even though this year there is suspense, we enjoying the games a little bit more. We look at the, the Clippers and we're like, that's a good team. We look at the Jazz. Oh, that's the best team in the NBA right now. We look at the Suns. Great team. Just beat the Lakers with LeBron. We look at the Atlanta Hawks and the 76ers and the Bucks as this great team the Bucks are. But at the end of the day, even though there is suspense, the best team will come on, will come out on top like it has been the last couple of years in the NBA. And that's the Brooklyn Nets. I agree with 
that whole statement until that those last three words, those last two words, the Brooklyn Nets. In my opinion, it's the Utah Jazz, and that's what makes uh, this sport so good. But I just wanted to make myself clear on this uh, one last thing before we get out of here. If Brooklyn was like facing another team in this uh, conference semifinal that had like a history of winning in the playoffs, I would be on the bandwagon with you. I just have no evidence that the Bucks could show up and win a big game, especially against Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant. Like as much as I love Giannis, I just feel like in the playoffs sometimes his game, especially when you need a bucket, is limited because he's better in transition. He's better at the rim. Like that's not his fault. It's just his game. And I'm not going to lie to you, Lil. Like I've had many, I've recalled many times asking myself, like, is it possible for a team to win a championship with Giannis as your best player? Like, I'm not saying he's not one of the five best players in the league right now, but in the playoffs, like I just have no evidence that it's possible. I mean, that's, that's up for debate. I do believe, like I said, we all know, we all saw it this year. We talked about it throughout the regular season. We talked about it right now throughout the playoffs. They did a good job of building around Giannis. So I do believe, I think, I think we have to give a little bit more respect to one person in particular, and that's Drew Holiday. He's the most, probably the most underrated basketball player. Up, bro. I, I tried to give him my respect. And, and, and that's why, and that's why I thought, and that's why I started the statement of talking about Drew Holiday. Where was Drew Holiday at? Drew Holiday, where are you? Knock, knock. Who's there? Where are you? If he can show up and do what he's been doing consistently in his Bucks first year, in his first year with the Bucks, they're gonna be in. They're gonna be in the series. You don't need Giannis to be the superhero if Drew Holiday is locked in the way how he was throughout the whole year. But you really if think he, a team led by Giannis and Drew Holiday, even if they're peaking, could beat Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant? Like I. I mean, we. I just have no. I evidence. think they. I think they have a good team. They they moved the ball, great, you know. And you also, you talked about the Jazz. I mean, they have the superstar power. Obviously, that can get a bucket when they need to at the end. But Drew Holiday can do that as well, you know. And they, I, I, do, I do believe Zach. I do believe that they did a good job with building around Giannis, well, and that's I, why I they, they're more dangerous than they I was do, last I don't year. disagree. I'm, I'm just asking. I don't think it's, I don't think it's close to enough. I, there's no denying they're better now than they were last year. They look good in the series against Miami, but to be honest, who cares about that? Who cares about if you're better? You want to win a championship, and no matter if they have Drew Holiday or not, like, I just don't know if they're that close. We'll see. We'll, we'll get some answers real soon. I mean, the game come on tonight in about an hour and a half. And this is a big game, too. To be honest with you, this game, too, is very important for the Bucs. You know, if they win this game, this series will go seven. We'll go at least six or seven, at least. If they lose this game, then, you know, you got to be worried if you're a Bucs fan, for sure. All right, I'm going to throw this my – this is uh, – I'll throw – you know, we've had a lot of debates on this series. Here's what's going to happen. I, I am actually going to agree with you. I think the Bucs win tonight. I'm actually going to agree with you again. I think we split in Milwaukee, and we are going to head – back to Brooklyn for game five, tied at two games apiece. However, from there, Brooklyn takes control. Give me Brooklyn six. I could agree. I actually will agree. I actually will agree that that way, you know, they will split. It will be two, two, and the Nets is going to figure it out and win the next two. I agree. And I think that, you know, the game six will be competitive, but the Nets will end them. They will, they will send them home. Yep. And, uh, you know, we still have three more series, you know, the Sixers-Hawks game tipped uh, yesterday, but we still have two more series out west, Suns-Nuggets game one tonight, uh, Clippers-Jazz will get going later in the week. I'm sure uh, we will be together to talk about it. Lil, once again, wanted to say thank you for joining me today on another episode of In the Huddle. 
Yes, sir. It was a pleasure. And I cannot wait for us to be on Can You Dig It Sports, y'all. So look out for that. My Tuna Radio. Absolutely, man. Have a good one. All right. Catch you.